first. We're going to have a ball. Hi, this is Trina Parks. I'm Thumper from Diamonds Are Forever, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. All yours, Bambi. $267,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Welcome to the 33rd episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. It's our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks. And this month we're going to downshift a bit. We're going to relax. We're going to take it back to basics. So I'm sorry, there isn't an exciting four-disc set with awesome inserts from international friends. There's no black tie affairs at the Royal Albert Hall. We're going back to the original formula, just, just a Bond CD out there that you may or may not have heard of. This episode will take you through some easy listening 007. We're going to be very chill here on this episode. Easy listening 007 with James Bond film themes by the Cinema Sound Stage Orchestra. I am, of course, your host, Jared Albrecht, the very laid-back yard sale artist, and I'm joined by my very mellowed-out friend, Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. Yes, a very relaxing Sunday afternoon, I think, this time. Unlike the tension of last Sunday with the live Bond trivia show and all the yes. drama that went with that, and, of course, the right team winning, of course. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's... But today, but, but today we're just going to mellow back and very mellow. relax think of this yes. as the npr episode of six of the best <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be very mellow <laughs> now if this is your first episode of six of the best i want to welcome you and i'm going to explain the formula as best as i can each show either alan's in charge or i'm in charge i've got the lead on this one so i selected today's cd which means i will select three of my favorite tracks from the cd which then leaves alan to pick three from what i have left behind Hence, the six of the best. Sometimes we have a bonus track. Sometimes we don't. We'll see what happens on this episode. Having said all that, let's get into today's CD. Like I said before, we're going to be talking about the James Bond film themes by the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra. And here is a little bit of history on that. The Cinema Soundstage Orchestra, under its very different names, they've recorded albums under a lot of different names have recorded over 150 albums. They began back in 1957, birthed by a guy named David Miller. He was most famously known as the producer on the Bill Haley and his Comets albums. I'm sure you guys have heard of Bill Haley and his Comets, and if you haven't, I'm quite certain I'm playing one of their big hits in the background right now. (laughs) Probably rock around the clock. (laughs) So this guy, David Miller, He hired a guy named Wilhelm Stefan 
and his Northwest German Radio Orchestra of Hamburg to record popular hits in the mood music easy listening format, most of which they recorded under the 101 Strings label. Now, one of Miller's keys to success for his record label was that he owned every facet of it. He owned the physical production, the printing, like everything. He owned every step of it, and that's why he was able to do things at a lower price. He did a lot of budget albums, and his biggest sales outlet was grocery stores. And if anybody here has shopped for groceries, pretty much anywhere between the 60s to maybe even now, do they still play Muzak in the grocery store? <laughs> but like, I remember being a kid in the 80s and hearing Muzak at the grocery store. Of course store. they do. You, you mean you don't dance to the rock music down the aisle in the grocery store like Jill and I do? I probably do. But like, it feels to me like these days they play the actual songs. But back in the day, they kind of was this. Yeah, you're right. It is, it is the actual songs these days. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just remember going to the grocery store with my mom in like the late 70s and early 80s. And it was always sort of an easy listening version of a popular song. So oftentimes it was these guys. It was Cinema Soundstage Orchestra, 101 Strings. They're known under a lot of different names. And their biggest sales outlet was said grocery store. So I think what was happening is people were walking around shopping hearing this music and going, oh, I kind of like this. And, oh, you can buy it. It's right here, available at the store. So anyway, that was David Miller's business model. He owned every step of it. He sold mostly in grocery stores. Then this guy named Al Sherman buys it from David Miller and moves it to England in 1964, where they run it until 1981. That's pretty much when this business method was done. They just pretty much wrapped it up in 81 which I think is interesting about today's album because this must be one of the last ones they ever did because it has For Your Eyes Only on it, which came out in 1981. <laughs> so this has got to be one of the final albums. Good math. Yeah. I did it all in my head. I did, <laughs> I did it all in my head. So here's the impressive stuff right here. In the 24 years of operation, they sold over 50 million records. And now that they've been ported and re-released and packaged for cassettes and CD markets, that number could have easily doubled. So we're talking 100 million <laughs> records in sales. Not too shabby. I mentioned earlier that the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra or the 101 Strings, they went under a lot of different aliases under this production house. So yeah, Cinema Soundstage Orchestra, 101 Strings, Astro Sounds, Grand Orchestra Sinfonica Americana, Orquesta Latin Sound, Strings Unlimited, the Andalusian Strings, the 007 Band, and themes orchestral are all aliases of basically the same production house. And there is your history on this rather interesting part of musical <laughs> um, history, if you ask me. So Al and I clearly have to talk about two things. First, we have to talk about Alan's thoughts on easy listening, mood music overall. Do you gravitate towards it? Is it that wallpaper sound that you... I was going to say, I think I have a phrase for that, isn't it? It was just wallpaper music. <laughs> wallpaper um, music. I think it has its place. I think it's become a bit too prevalent. You can't go anywhere these days without there being mood music, restaurants, mm. pubs, bars, supermarket, elevator. I mean, we used to call it elevator music, didn't right. we? I mean, it used to be playing the elevator and that was it. The mall, whatever. I mean, it, it seems... You can't go anywhere without there being some sort of music on in the background these days. And as much as I'm a huge music fan and music scholar, that gets a bit too much at times. I think it had its place. You know, and sometimes I like to put on an album of covers that's in a certain mood but rather than listen to the original music just to, you know, particularly if I'm feeling like in a relaxed, mellow, 
laid back mood. Sometimes, you know, an easily listening jazz album of covers is better than maybe strident big band sound that I don't necessarily want to listen to, but I still want to listen to that sort of music. So yeah, I think it, it has its place and it has its mood. And I actually think this is actually, with a couple of exceptions, we'll talk about a really good example of that sort of genre. It's interesting what you said about that that was actually their business model was that was the grocery stores. I'm sure they had them at the, uh, you know, the point of sales on the racks by the, you know, so mm-hmm. it was like an impulse buy and things like that. Very much, a, I think, a product of that 70s, 80s shopping experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you, by the way, like I have a few albums by the 101 strings. And of course I have this and I do find myself if I'm feeling like, I don't know, particularly frazzled or stressed out. I just want to calm down and go do something calming. That's when I pick these kind. I, I'll search out the 101 strings versions just because I do find it soothing. So you and I have that. In- yeah, I think, I mean, we, we covered him many podcasts ago, but for me growing up, it was Jeff Love and his orchestra. I put on the Jeff Love's big war movie themes or his favorite TV show themes album or the space themes or Bond themes. But the Jeff Love orchestra was sort of, that was my go-to for, you know, I just want to listen to something that's sort of calming, but recognizable that I don't have to think about too much. Absolutely. So the other thing we have to talk about is this packaging for the CD that we both own. It came out in 1996. And I feel like this might be the most 1996 packaging of any CD. ever. <laughs> this is in the infant days of Photoshop. And part of me loves it for that. <laughs> part of me is like, this is awful. And part of me is like, this is so awesome. <laughs> and I can't decide. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it. I put it in the notes. I said, we have to talk about the packaging. I need your thoughts on the packaging, Alan. Well, actually, two thoughts. So remember when we were talking about this and you just, you showed me the front and said, that's it. And then I went on eBay while we were, we were on screen and I was like, I found one, but it looks different because it looks like this, right? Which is the, and you said, oh, that's the back. So I was like, oh, okay. So I ordered it. And when it turned out, the front looked like this. Oh, wah, wah. They didn't. That's why they showed the back. They didn't include the front. That's why the eBay listing only had the back because there's actually no front cover. Oh, it's boo, just eBay that. lister. <laughs> but it, it plays fine. I mean, it, it, it's fit for purpose. So, but yeah, but there is no front cover art on my copy. All right. Well, look at it mine then. <laughs> <laughs> what you've seen, you're familiar with it. And it's very yeah. similar to the back. Yeah, the back's the same. The back is heavily, as you said, early days Photoshop. Yes. Clip art. Yeah, whatever. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at it, but let me describe the back for the folks real quick. Okay, so the back, I'm not 100% sure what the very, very background image is. It's kind of in purple. I'm not quite certain what that is. But laid over it in very Photoshopped ways is a digital readout that says 007. A insert clip art of some money. It looks like $40. <laughs> a gun. And a satellite dish. Is that an x-ray of a gun or is it just a black and white that they've reversed the... Yeah, it could be a negative. A negative, yeah. yeah. Not sure. Like, they ran it through some kind of filter. Yeah. I'm starting to think that the purple thing in the background is a soundboard because on the front cover, it looks more like a soundboard. They still have the $40. They have three images of the gun in negative or x-ray or I don't know what. They have the 007 digital. They have a series of four numbers, four, five, seven, eight. No clue what that's about down there (laughs) in the corner james bond 007 james and bond are in the the same font but the 007 is in a different kind of font again i'm split down the middle whether i think this is just awful or just sort of gloriously 1996 i'd be interested in your thoughts i 
think it's gloriously 1990. And by the way, yes, yeah, so looking at the copyright date on this one, it says it's 1996. So I guess it's a repackage of the original because you said they stopped doing the stuff in 81. So. Yeah, yeah, they did. They, the company stopped making them in 81. But yeah, they're still repackaging them. Uh, yeah. Do the math for you here. 15 years later. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of a fun example of the early days of trying to do photo montage with Microsoft Paint or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think ultimately I'm charmed by it. Just to make it analogous to other James Bond things, I'm always a little sad that my favorite Bond, Timothy Dalton, kind of landed poster-wise, movie poster-wise, kind of right in that early days of Photoshop. Just when they started <laughs> doing the Photoshop. Yeah. I was like, damn it. Because the view to a kill poster looks so good. Like even the alternate versions of it that they didn't use, like the ones they used for the video game and stuff, looks so cool. And then you get to Living Daylights and it's like, it's okay. It's okay. And then a view to a kill, it's not even as good as Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ah. Oh, why did my favorite Bond have to land in the Photoshop early day era? <laughs> why, why did that have to happen? Especially when you know they actually have a whole series of unused Bob Peak painted posters that they could have used. I'm dying inside. But all right, we're not here to talk about posters. I just, uh, we had to talk about this packaging. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, folks, I promise you we will actually talk about music now. I am going to get into my top three picks from some easy listening mood music, James Bond style. And what better place to start than track one, the James Bond theme. It's back to my contractual obligations for the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. They have a Bond theme. We got to hear a Bond theme. And so we're going to hear a Bond theme. I really like this one, though, especially the parts where they really start riffing around the one minute and 20 second mark. They, They really start getting creative with the riffing, uh, with the, uh, I think it's a trumpet, could be wrong, but you'll hear what I'm talking about, especially once you get to, like I said, about the 120 mark. And uh, what else can I say? It's a James Bond theme. Let's give it a listen.
All right, Alan, what'd you think? I love it. I think that's a clarinet around the 120 mark. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Now that I re-listen to it, I think you're right. I think that's a clarinet and not a trumpet at all. <laughs> and it just seems to come out of nowhere. You're just humming along to the, the one theme that you know, and all of a sudden there's a little jazzy riff on a clarinet. Assuming that's what it is with my total lack of musical knowledge. But yeah, I like it. They're having fun. It's like, oh, we're, we're playing the James Bond theme and we're about a minute in. Oh, let's do something different. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the having fun there, the riffing, it really kind of put me in the mind of uh, Count Basie. You know, it felt like Count Basie did a little bit of that riffing. You know, and that's a good place to be. Yeah, actually, yeah. Thinking back to that one, you're right, yeah. That's good company to be in. I mean, let's not lie. These aren't as quality as the Basie tracks, but eh, they're fun. Yeah. They're fun. Which is going to lead me to my second track. You know, we're going to get extra slow. We're already slowed down. We're already laid back on this NPR version of our episode. But uh, let's slow it down for a little Spy Who Loved Me, which is track four. This version of it seems happier than most. It has a certain pep or a punctuation to it that I enjoy, which is not to say that it's a depressing song. To me, I find it to be sort of a romantic song, a slow song. I love it. I mean, who doesn't love a Spy Who Loved Me? But this one just has a little, I don't know, a little pep to it. I don't like the spy who loved me. That's unfortunate.
All right, Alan. Did it win you over to this version? Win you over? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on record before. I'm not a huge fan of The Spy Who Loved Me as a movie. And I know I'm an outlier in that. To be honest, it's not one of my favorite theme songs either. But I think this has a certain cabaret lounge nightclub feel to it. A sort of end of the evening type vibe. So as you said, it's, it's a little peppy too. So yeah, I, I can take it or leave it, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I feel like if we were uh, hanging out, having a couple drinks, which we've done in the evening, and it came on, we'd both go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. With that, I will get into my third and final pick, which I probably stole this from Alan. It is track five. It is Honor Majesty's Secret Service. This one has maybe one of the most original twists on all the Bond tracks on the album. It has a prelude to it that also reminds me of something that Cal Basie would do. It's sort of like you're listening to this prelude and you're like, what, what Bond song is this? And then it has this killer bass line that it uses. And they just kind of keep layering it and layering it and they bring in new instruments. I mean, they keep bringing in new instruments as late as a minute and a half into the song. It has a lot of energy and I swear it sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. And I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> so. You know, while you listen to this, imagine that it's, you know, 19, let's say it's 1977 and they've decided to make a James Bond Saturday morning cartoon and this is the theme for it. Put yourself in the headspace.
I just can't listen to it without smiling. I can't. I, can't, I love it. What do you think, Alan? Well, other than the fact that you stole the Majesty's Sound, that's my contracted track. So I, I felt a little bad about it, but I just like that version. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I love this, and I so desperately want to watch a Johnny Quest style James Bond cartoon with character designs by Alex Toth and Jack Kirby, and yes, yes. by filmation with or Hanna Barbera with this as the the opening theme, and I can like visualize silhouettes of guys on skis going across the screen, James Bond-style opening titles done in an animated style. Uh, yeah, this just screams Saturday morning adventure cartoon in the best, best possible way. This is, I think, my favorite track on the album by far. I think I agree with you. I, I kind of saved sort of best for last in my top three. When I picked this album, I didn't remember a lot about it. I picked it, you know, last episode. I just remember, like, I was like, I kind of like it. And the one thing I remembered was it's got a really unique Majesty's track. <laughs> that's that's what I remembered most when I picked it. I, w- I will say when I first put it on and I started listening to this track and it was like, for the first 30 seconds, I'm like, this isn't Majesty's. When is it getting to Majesty's? <laughs> and then it kicked in. And then, it just, as you said, it just layered on, layered on top. And yeah, I started getting those vibes too. And I was like, I couldn't quite place what it what it was until I saw, in the script I saw you say about Saturday morning cartoon, and I was like, oh, yeah, Johnny <laughs> Quest type vibe. Yeah, totally. If we have any listeners who are animators out there, and you want to just go ahead and do your own little James Bond animation <laughs> over that track and share it with us, we will be more than happy to share it from the OHMS podcast. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. It, 20 second clip or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So cool. Yeah, I dig it. And listening to it this time as we're doing the recording for the show, I I now hear the value of the drummer too. He's really he's really got an upbeat drum riff going on it that I was just kind of picking up. The, again, they layer so many instruments. You just kind of you have to listen to it a couple three times to focus on each one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> cool, cool track. And that's gonna be it for me. I'm done with my three. Alan gets to pick three from what I've left behind. So what are we gonna do? Well, we're going to kick off with track number seven. And all I'm going to say about this track, and Jared's already laughing, uh, all I'm going to say about this track is this track on the CD and on the cover has the title Dr. No. So let's play it and then we'll talk about it.
Well, Jared, I don't know about you, but I do not remember the scene in Doctor No where they're sitting around in Jamaica wondering how Christmas trees are made. <laughs> the term mislabeled track comes to mind, Alan. Yeah, I did notice this upon listening to this again, Dr. No. And do you know how Christmas trees are grown? Now, my only <laughs> excuse is, is maybe it's do you know in O how Christmas trees are grown? <laughs> Yeah, a little mislabeled track there, I think, Alan. I think so, but it's fun. So It is fun, what, and yeah. it, it makes me want to put that on, like, a Christmas mix CD. <laughs> Just the, 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 you know, the instrumental version of Do You Know How Christmas Trees Are Grown, a.k.a. Dr. No. From Dr. No, yes. Clearly from Dr. No. Clearly from Dr. No. So, so <laughs> no, I did not pick that because it was one of my best, but I picked it because Jared and I were talking, because as soon as we got the CD and played it, we were both like, Hang on a minute. Have you played track seven yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. I put a thing, just peek behind the curtain for the listeners. I put a thing in the script that I wrote in there. I said, we can discuss this track if you don't want to use it as one of your three. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm totally going to use this. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dr. Noah, do you know how Christmas trees are grown by way of Jamaica? <laughs> it's a world exclusive for you there. Okay. So just bringing things back to actually what it says on the album sleeve does actually relate to the music i'm gonna pick track three we talked about this being a laid-back album um this is live and let die and i think it must be the most laid-back version of the track i think i've ever heard even when it gets to the exciting bits it's still sort of laid back and i have a little bit more to say about this track but i'll say it after we've played the music Thank you. 
All right, yeah, so very, very laid back version of Live and Let Die. I think this is probably more akin to what Harry Saltzman had in mind when he said he wanted, uh, this is how he saw it in the movie and he didn't really want Paul McCartney to sing it. He wanted a more soulful lady singer, more about like what you see in the nightclub. But it's, I think it's even more laid back than that. So for our UK listeners of a certain age, for me, this is a Pan's People track. And Joe's looking at me like, go what? on. What? <laughs> so for that, I mean, I can visualize a troupe of lady dancers gerating to this on some kitschy 1970s era TV variety show. And actually, I think that applies pretty much to the whole album. So if you want to know what I mean, just go look up Pan's People on YouTube and you'll see what I mean. Fair enough. I, the thing that struck me most about it is last episode, we covered an amazing version of the song by Skin, right? Yeah. And like Skin really, you know, leaned way into it with the live and let die. Bam! You know, yeah. this one has the least amount of punch at that point in the song than any. <laughs> it's always I, it's I like, think, yeah, live and let die. <laughs> I, think it, I think even the monks doing the Gregorian chant put more energy into it than this version. <laughs> They're like, eh. Live and let die. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's still, you know, it's nice. Yeah. All right. And on that note, we will move on. So since Jared took my Honor Majesty's Secret Service track. Uh, my bad. I think it's part of um, our unwritten rules that if he steals something from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, then I have to play something from Casino Royale 67 instead. <laughs> We're going for track eight, which is the, from Casino Royale the theme. And what I love about this, it's actually the only track on the whole album that they play completely straight. Uh, it's no laid back arrangement. It is the awesome theme from Casino Royale. So let's give it a listen.
to me, that sounds like it could be the Herb Albert version right off the authorized soundtrack album. I completely agree. And it makes me wonder if they didn't like record all these tracks and then just kind of had this one maybe for a different CD they'd done <laughs> and just said, <laughs> let's include it because it's James Bond related. It feels the most out of place, but not like in a bad way. But like you said, it's yeah, the totally. Most- it's completely different than the rest of the album. Yeah, it's the most straight-laced, you know, if this was a movie, we'd say shot-for-shot version of the tracks, which makes me think that they maybe picked it off of a different album and put it on here. But anyway, I mean, it does really showcase the Casino Royale track really well. I mean, it's a good version. You could have tricked me if I heard it by itself and thought, is this the one from the actual CD? And I would have probably believed it. Very close. Very close. It's, It's super close. And it showcases what I've often said is the strongest point of Casino Royale, (laughs) which is the soundtrack. It's got a great soundtrack. Yep, I won't argue with that point. No matter how we disagree about the rest of the movie, I will not argue that the soundtrack is the strongest part of the movie. So I think that wraps up my three. So I'm going to hand it back to Jared. Well, that must mean that it is time to rate it. And as we rate things here on the Honor Majesty Secret Podcast Network, we use a scale of one to seven, except for that other show that Alan does with Fan. I think they use a one to ten. They threw the whole thing off, but whatever. We rate it on a one to seven here. And we rate it on a one to seven based on how much we think this album should be in a Bond fan's audio library. This wonderful CD with its 1990s Photoshop uh, package art. One to seven, how much should this album be in a Bond fan's library? What do you think, Alan? Good question. Uh, I think it's probably a midpoint, maybe a three. Yeah. I think if you're a completist, maybe more towards the other end. But I think it's an interesting curiosity. Probably not much more than that. I think I agree with you. I think that's pretty well said. You know, listening to the way we phrase the question, a Bond fans audio library, you know, and I've sort of made this distinction before. I think you're right. It's probably about a three. It's a curiosity. It's a neat little, hey, look at this weird Bond album I, <laughs> I found, right? But if you're like a Bond music fan, which I assume most of our listeners kind of take that one additional step, then it probably goes to a four, you know, because it's like, yeah, it's got some neat varieties. I mean, if, if for nothing else, the Majesty Secret Service track is... Really I was going to say, yeah, if, if you want it for anything, it's for that Majesty's track, I think. Or the Dr. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I'm with you. I think it's a very sort of midpoint album. I mean, I don't by any means uh, regret purchasing it. And I'm quite certain I found it probably at some sort of secondhand. We didn't talk about where we'd found it or discovered it earlier, but I'm quite certain I found it at some secondhand CD store somewhere along the lines. And then foisted upon you and helped you find it. Yeah, and I <laughs> found it on eBay, and I think it was like about 5 or $6. It wasn't, wasn't yeah. like some of the stuff that you try and make me buy that's like $40 or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was affordable, and obviously seems to be repackaged and re, re-released on a fairly regular basis, so um, pretty easy to find with yeah. or without the front cover. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't actually heard of it until... Uh, until you mentioned it, but uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. I'm quite happy to have it in my collection. Me too. That brings us to the end of this episode of Bomb Music 6 of the Best. Got a question or a comment? You can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. 
And don't forget to subscribe to the Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform. And if you can leave a rating or a review too, that would be great. If you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found for Bond stuff at Bond Lexicon or on uh, Instagram or Tumblr at James Bond Lexicon. And of course, there is the jamesbondlexicon.online website, which is a companion to the James Bond Lexicon book. Jared, where can they find you? I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And I want to thank everybody for joining us on this episode. This episode's tracks are from the 1996 CD, James Bond Film Themes by the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra. And as always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl. Just, you know, do your best to support the Bond creative community. Of course, we will be back with six of the best as we will return with Alan's next pick, 007 James Bond Thrillers featuring the pulsating big band sounds of the 007 band. Hang on a minute. That name sounds familiar. <laughs> it does sound Wait a tick. <laughs> so I made my next pick before I read the script. Mm-hmm. And then when we were talking last week, Jared casually mentioned the alias one of the aliases that this week's band used is the same as the band that I picked for next week. But that album is from 1964, so it's at the beginning of their mm. Bond music cover career. So we'll see how different it is. Oh, I look forward to that. Gee, 64, they only had like three movies to pick from. <laughs> Interesting. Guess we'll find out what it is next time. I guess so. So uh, James Bond music, six of the best, will return. Bye. Bye. gonna have to cut this because i'm sidetracking we'll see since you moved your mic it looks to me like you're being targeted by a sniper <laughs> and it's very off-putting <laughs> it's because my filter there you go the filter there we go That's all right. the red light. <laughs> i keep wanting to go doug, doug he's got doug. you he's got you <laughs> there we go okay <laughs> all right back on track